Right now, you're in the middle of a 10-episode arc of episodes here on Restaurant Strategy that I've dubbed Rethinking Restaurants. I'm challenging you to rethink the way uh, that a restaurant has to be run, and I've chosen 10 specific areas so that we can dive a little bit deeper in, and I'm just asking you to trust me, to go with me, to open your mind and be willing to think outside the box because I think the world is changing. The world has changed in profound ways over the last 30 years and I think will continue to change. Likewise, so will our industry. I'm going to make a bold claim here and I'm going to back it up over the next little while on this episode. I think we know very little about our guests and this is sort of ironic given that we're in the service industry and we make our living by taking care of people. I think we know very little about our people. We know very little about what they want and need and what makes them tick and how to serve them better. But I think we can get better at that. I'm going to talk all about CRM, Customer Relations Management. I want to talk about why I think I'm going to convince you uh, why I believe that we are so bad at this. And we're going to talk about the customer journey, right? The entire experience that a customer has as it relates to our brand, to your brand. All of that really deep dive, right? Diagnosing the problem, giving you some solutions before we end here. All of that on today's episode of Restaurant Strategy. There's an old saying that goes something like this. You'll only find three kinds of people in the world. Those who see, those who will never see, and those who can see when shown. This is Restaurant Strategy, a podcast with answers for anyone who's looking. Thanks for tuning in. My name is Chip Close, and this is Restaurant Strategy, a podcast dedicated solely to helping you build a more profitable restaurant. Each week, I leverage my two decades in the industry to help you build that more profitable and sustainable business. I also work directly with owners and operators all over the world through my P3 Mastermind program. So this is a group coaching program where 30, 40, 50 restaurant owners from all around the world come together for a two-hour call every single week. To date, we've got over 100 people uh, enrolled in the program, spread across three different groups. The program works, the impact we're making works. So here's what I gotta say to you. If you have a good restaurant, if you make a lot of hungry people happy, but you struggle to generate consistent, predictable 20% returns, then I wanna chat with you. Set up a free call with me or someone from my team, you do that by going to our website, restaurantstrategypodcast.com slash schedule. Grab some time on the calendar. We'll get to learn about you and your restaurant. You'll get to learn about the program and ask some questions about the program, and we'll see if you're a good fit. Again, that call is absolutely free. Set up by visiting restaurantstrategypodcast.com slash schedule, and yes, you'll find that link in the show notes. We all know managing costs is one of the most important parts of running a profitable restaurant, especially now. But between fluctuating vendor prices, waste, labor, and the never-ending list of tasks that demand your attention on a daily basis, it can be challenging for even the most experienced of us to manage costs well. That's where Margin Edge comes in. Margin Edge is a complete restaurant management software that automatically uses data from your POS and invoices to show you your food and labor costs in real time. Don't wait until it's too late. Margin Edge gives you tools to make decisions in the moment, like a daily P&L, price alerts on key ingredients, and real-time plate costs, all without ever having to touch a spreadsheet. Take control of your costs, work more efficiently, and be more profitable. Learn more at marginedge.com slash chip, and yes, you'll find that link in the show notes. Now, 
This episode is also brought to you by Seven Shifts. Running a restaurant is hard work, but managing your team doesn't have to be. If you're spending hours on scheduling and chasing your team down through text chains and emails, then you need to check out Seven Shifts, a team management platform built specifically for restaurants. With Seven Shifts, you can create and publish schedules in minutes, you can communicate with your team and pay your employees all in a single tool. Seven Shifts helps your team make more profitable decisions, improve operating efficiency, and most importantly, it gives you time back in your day. And right now, Restaurant Strategy podcast listeners can get three months free. To get started, visit sevenshifts.com slash restaurant strategy. That's the number seven, S-H-I-F-T-S dot com slash restaurant strategy to get three months of industry-leading team management software for free. As always, that link is in the show notes. Okay, so again, we're talking about rethinking restaurants. I'm challenging you to rethink your uh, your preconceived notions about what a restaurant is and how a restaurant needs to behave. The interesting thing is, right, and then we went over this couple over the last couple of weeks, is that restaurants have been around thousands of years, but the restaurants uh, version of restaurants that we have now has really been around a couple of hundred years, basically, when we're talking about the full-service restaurant model. And that's that's interesting on its own. I think that's worth noting. But what's really special is that restaurants have become such a huge part of our culture, not only Western culture, but Eastern culture globally. It's a really big deal. People like to go out and be fed and be served. They like not having to shop and prep and cook and clean up later. That's incredible. I'm, I'm profoundly touched by the fact that the thing we do to celebrate a big occasion, right, a birthday, an anniversary, a graduation, the thing we do is gather those we love and go out to dinner. That is incredible. Culturally, we could have done anything. We could have said we go for a bike ride. We go to the beach. We go do anything. But no, what we do, doesn't matter where we are, where we live, what kind of market, we go out to dinner. That's how we mark big occasions, and that's huge. That was not always the case. So what we have is really special. The, the point we're at in, uh, in sort of the existence, right, the, the life cycle of a restaurant, of our industry, is, is pretty extraordinary. Today, though, I want to talk about two things. The customer journey, and that links in really easily, really tightly, with this idea of CRM, customer relations management. And I said this at the very top, and I, and I want to back it up because I absolutely believe it. I think we know very little, comparatively, we know very little about our guests. And I think for an industry that, I don't know, prides itself on being able to take care of people, I think we know very little about the people that we're serving at the macro and micro level. I think there are some guests that you know really well. There are regulars. There are people who have been loyal to you for, your, for years. And I think you know those people. But I think if you look back over your reservation sheet and I said, tell me about that person. Tell me about that person. Tell me about that person, which I do when I would consult. I would go in and ask people to tell me something about the people in the reservation book. And they couldn't tell me anything. Oftentimes, they can tell me something about five of the 50 reservations that are on the books for the night. And I think that's a problem. And I think, I think that's the case with most restaurants these days. Certainly, any fast, casual, quick service place, 
People come in, they give you their order, they pay, and they leave. They come in, they tell you their order, you give it to them, they pay, they leave. That's it. You don't have much time to get to know them. So I guess on the one hand, you can say, well, it's not really my fault. I don't think that's true. I think if we wanted to, we could get to know our people better. And certainly in a full-service restaurant where people are with us for an hour or two or three, don't we owe it to them to get to know them a little bit better so that we can serve them a little bit better? One of the things that's interesting is people say, oh, it's all about the data. It's all about the data. We've had data for a very long time. We know who comes in, when they come in, how often they come. We know how much they spend. We even know things about them. Mr. Wilson likes table 32. Mrs. Jones prefers a dry martini promptly upon being seated. We know things like that about our guests, and we use those, we take notes, and we use those to make for a better experience when they come back. But really, what we should be focusing on is how can we learn things about people so that we can get them to come back? Great, when Mr. Wilson or Mrs. Jones decides to come back and join us, we can take better care of them. But I think we can do a better job of making sure to learn something about them that we can then use to get them to come back in. So when we talk about this, this is this idea of customer relations management. E-commerce does this very well. Macy's, Wegmans, Best Buy, Nike, all of these brands know actually quite a bit about you. They know your shoe size, they know your preferences because they know what you buy, but they also know what you look at online. They track all of that, they can see that. They can see what grabs your eye. They can see your purchase habits about how often you buy new sneakers, about how often you look at new sneakers versus how often you buy sneakers. They know quite a lot about you, about your workout habits, about your, your exercise, your sort of, your get up and go-ness. Best Buy, Macy's, any e-commerce brand knows quite a bit about you. Amazon knows a lot about you. And they use those things, they use what they know about you to get you to buy more. Now, we could talk about whether that's, you know, <laughs> ethically whatever. I, I tend to like it. I want to be shown things that I'm most apt to buy. It shows you care. Rather than just seeing a billboard that I don't care about, I'd rather see a billboard of something that would really resonate with me. So every time I log into Amazon, and I've said this before, right? If we line four people up in each line, uh, and, and I log into my friend's Amazon or my brother's Amazon, I'm not going to recognize it. I'm not going to like Amazon very much because Amazon is really good at showing my brother the things that are going to resonate with him, with showing my, my buddy the things that resonate with him. Likewise, Amazon is good at showing me the things that resonate with me. Amazon, Best Buy, Macy's, Nike, your supermarket. They all know quite a, uh, quite a bit about us, and they use that to help get us to come back in, to stay loyal to them. So we can say, oh, they, they're, they're using tactics to get us to spend more money, or we can say they're using tactics to serve us better. Wegmans knows what I get, how often I come, and so if they can use that to, to, to better serve me, I think that's just I think that's just a really cool place we're at in the world. And so then let's go back to the restaurant industry. 
we have all this information, and I think the real failure is that half our information is housed in one piece of software, and the other half of information is housed in the other. And I hope, through this explanation, you guys are going to grab your, pitch uh, your pitchforks and bonfires and go knock down the door of your technology partners to demand more. But on the one hand, we have our POS system, right? And that's where we generate all of our revenue. Every sale flows through our point of sale system. So we know what everybody gets on every table. The problem is that I don't know that Mr. Wilson and his family are sitting on table 32. The POS system just knows table 32 spent about this much money. They dined for this long, and this is what all the things they bought in the order in which they bought them. I have to go to my other piece of software, my reservation software, or my table management software, and that tells me the guest's name, the address, email, their phone number, their birthdays, their likes, their dislikes, how often they've come. So I can see how often Mr. Wilson comes, where he likes to sit, his different preferences for when he dines. But that piece of software doesn't tell me how much they spend. It doesn't tell me the, the full quality of that guest. The rest of the information, probably the most important information, is housed in your POS system. Now, there are systems out there like Seven Rooms that integrates, that syncs completely, right? So Seven Rooms is a table management reservation software, waitlist software, that syncs seamlessly to your POS system so that it can be a full customer relations management software. So that you know Mr. Wilson comes in about once every seven weeks. He likes to sit on table 32. He dines for about this long. He typically dines with six other guests or five other guests. And on average, when he dines with us midweek, he spends this much per head. And when he dines with us on the weekend, he spends Y number, Y amount per head. Then we know the full value of this person. And then, again, a, a program like Seven Rooms has, uh, has incredible marketing uh, solutions on the back end through automations and tagging and being able to segment the list. So let's say Mr. Wilson is a, is a wine VIP. On average, he spends about you know, 250 or $300 on a bottle of wine every time, or maybe more. So we can create a tag and says, hey, anytime anyone orders a bottle of wine that's $200 or more, we want to auto-tag them as a wine VIP so that we're creating a list of people who are big wine spenders, right? We can say, hey, anytime someone comes, you know, more than three times in a month, let's uh, tag them frequent flyer because we know they're a heavy user. Anytime someone spends more than $100 a head or $85 a head, I want to know because they're more valuable in our seats than other guests who spend 60 or $70 a head. I want to know that. And then I can communicate them through special, uh, specific communications. I can generate lists. I can build automations to automatically keep up with them and make sure to notify them about the things they care about. And since they're tagged, I can create campaigns like a single email that just goes out to those people. If they're on the wait list, I can see them there. Think about it like a green, yellow, red. Green are the great guests, people who are here often and spend a lot of money. Yellow, they're not here that much. They spend okay. Red, they've never been here. They don't spend that much money. 
in a green, yellow, red system, if you've got a, people on the wait list, 15 or 20 people, yes, we'd like to think democrat, uh, democratically that the first one on the wait list is the first one pulled off the wait list. But I don't have to tell you guys that your, uh, your, your business is difficult and you need to maximize your limited seating. So if you have a choice, which by the way, you do. So if you keep a wait list and let's say a you know, party of four cancels at seven o'clock, you put a block on that uh, table and you go to your wait list to go to fill that, wouldn't you want to reach out to the people who are green, meaning people who are here all the time that are very loyal to you, that love you and spend a lot of money? Certainly more so than somebody who doesn't come that often or doesn't spend that much money. That's the power of a customer relations management system, a CRM software. And we've got to get better. Right now, uh, Seven Rooms is really the one I know best. There's another program called Bicky, which is incredible, but it's very, very expensive because they're really targeting uh, multi-unit operators of 10 units or more. So it's out of reach for most, um, for most, uh, most independent restaurants. But man, I, we need this. We need this because this is really a conversation about the customer journey. Again, remember I said, I started this whole conversation by saying we know very little about our guests. And I think that's incredible. I think we do an incredible job. We serve them really great food. We're really polite. We keep things moving along as best we can. We get them whatever they need, whatever they ask us for. But I think we can get better about anticipating those needs. And we talk about customer journey, right? So let's step aside from CRM for just a second. The customer journey is every touch point the customer comes across over the cycle of them becoming a customer and being a customer. So in thinking this in terms of uh, hotels, because hotels do this really, really well. So somebody searches, right? They put in a, uh, a Google search and says, um, I'm, I'm going to make this up, you know, best all-inclusive resorts in Cancun. And they type that into Google. And all these hits return, right? So it's a TripAdvisor top 10 list. It's a Foursquare top 10 list. It's a um, Travel and Leisure top 10 list. It's uh, on and on and on, right? And they go and they're doing their research and they, and they find, you know, the consumer finds, you know, which resorts are listed on multiple lists. Okay. Multiple writers felt that this was a top 10. So maybe they narrow it down to three or four. And then maybe they go to their website. So they go to their social media pages. And they go and check out pricing and they see some of the amenities and they find out how many restaurants are there, how many pools, do they have a swim up bar, are they beachfront, are there shows, are there other sort of excursions. They're going to do some research to figure out what's important about them. And so from there, they're maybe checking out Google reviews, they're checking out Yelp reviews, TripAdvisor reviews, they're checking out their website, their social media pages. They're doing a lot of research in this process, right? We're talking about a lot of touch points now at this point. Right? Google with blogs and articles and top 10 lists and all of that. And then they do research through websites, social media, other you know list sites, other blogs, other magazines. Right Then maybe they go through the booking process to really see, make sure there aren't any hidden fees and all that. And they get all the way to the last uh, page where it says, okay, this is your total. Right, And then they're reviewing the cancellation policy and stuff like that. And all this, right, they've had maybe half a dozen or 10 different touch points with the brand, maybe not the brand directly, but they've had five to 10 touch points with the brand, oftentimes before the brand even realizes it. 
And then they book the reservation. And maybe since it's this all-inclusive beach vacation, it's six months out. And so then what, is the, what does the hotel do? The hotel is really good at what they call romancing the sale. They've already made the sale. Now it's their job to make sure that people are excited and ready. And, there's, and if there's anything they need, we're there for you. So there will be a series of emails. Sometimes if you go to a really nice hotel, you'll get a concierge calling you ahead of time because they're saying, hey, we're so excited that you're joining us on the following dates. Let me know if I can set you up with dinner reservations. Let me know if you're interested in excursions. I'm going to send you some information for scuba diving and snorkeling and, and uh, sailing and all that. Can I set you up with tea times? Are you golfers? What else are you interested in? Spa treatments, massages. What else can I do to make this trip extraordinary for you? So between now, the date when I booked the reservation, to six months from now when I actually arrive at the front desk, there are going to be a series of communications, some of them automated, just through automated emails, some of them through, hopefully, in a nice place, through personalized manual reach-outs. And then the people come, and then they have the experience, and of course the whole staff is trained to provide a really exceptional experience at a nice resort. And then they leave, and then what happens? There are a lot of other touch points after that. You wanna reach out and make sure you enjoyed everything, try to get reviews, customer service, you know, make sure they enjoyed it, and try to, I'm guessing, book another trip, whether back at this resort, or I'm assuming most of these places have 10, 20, 30 sister properties, all around the world. Thanks so much. We hope you had a great time. When you're planning your next vacation, think of us. We've got multiple properties. So again, when we talk about the customer journey, it's how do they discover? How do they do all their research? How do they narrow it down? How do they ultimately decide on the property they decided on? And then they booked, and then all of the things they did between the moment they booked and the moment they arrived, and then, of course, the experience they have when they're there, and then what they do after that. Do they tell people? Do they leave reviews? Do they share pictures on social media? Do they rebook at that property or one of the sister properties? All of that is part of the customer journey. And as you can imagine, it's cyclical. Because let's say you had an extraordinary time and you decide to go back there next year. Great. All of the touch points led them to a rebooking. Or if they rebook at a sister property. This is what hotels do really well. Again, I already used e-commerce as an example, but it's something e-commerce does very, very well. Because e-commerce knows once you're a customer, hopefully you've got the products, you love the products, and you will be a customer for life. Certainly think of the, the brands that you're most loyal to. So I think of, I was a food photographer for years. Um, you pretty much either are a Nikon user or a Canon user. I happen to be a Nikon user. So I'm very loyal to their products. With my running shoes, because as many of you know, or maybe you don't, um, I've been a runner for many, many years. I ran the marathon just before the pandemic here in New York City. And every time it comes up for a new uh, pair of shoes, I just re-up because I like Nike. Apple, I'm an Apple user. So I have Apple computer, Apple, you know, the iPhone. I have iPads. I've got my MacBook. I am an Apple user. So when it comes time to replace something that's outdated, I pretty much will go to Apple. And Apple knows that. They keep in contact with me through a variety of ways, through 
emails, through uh, retargeting on social media, things like that. All of that to say, the vacation company, right, the resort knows a lot about me, knows how much I'm willing to spend for vacation, about how long I, I either like to go or how much I can afford to go, the times a year that I like to travel, what I do while I'm there, what I ate and drank while I was there on property, all of that, it's on my bill. All of that, they saw everything I ordered. And I think we can be better. I think we can challenge ourselves to be better, not just to collect information, to take care of these people better next time, but to use that information so that there is a next time. So the one thing I'm asking about, the one thing I'm bringing up to your, uh, bringing to your attention is CRM, that we, for the most part, don't have a proper CRM system, a customer relations management, so that we know when they come, how often they come, where they like to sit, and all the details about what they like and don't like, and then the POS side of things of how much they spend and what they actually buy when they're here, and then really like the email communications and those other touch points about how often do we, do we uh, connect with them? How many emails do they open? Do they read those emails? Do they click on any of those emails? So now if we talk about not only the two big pieces of software, but our email service provider being a third piece of software, now we get a more complete look at all the touch points or many of the touch points that we have with a potential diner. And they're all siloed. And it's not very easy for us to pull all that information together and make some decisions or take action. And I think we can be better at that. Now, there are ways to do that just on a, just on a small analog level. So I've talked a lot about how I spent uh, many, many years in fine dining. And I was really good at keeping in touch with regulars. Pretty much every day, I had either an email conversation, a text conversation, or I'd pick up the phone and call many of my guests every single day. I would say five to ten reach outs every single day. Not like, hey, how you doing? You want to come back in? It was more nuanced than that. Hey, how you doing? I knew you were taking the family out west to go skiing. How was the trip? Are you guys back? Oh, my God, the trip was amazing. Yeah, no, we actually get back tomorrow. Perfect. Hopefully we, uh, hopefully we see you. Once you get back in and settled, settled in a routine, we'd love, to, we'd love to see you. Let me know, let me know when you're going to be around. I'd love to buy you a drink. Interactions like that happened all the time, every single day. But it didn't happen by accident. It happened by getting to know people really well. Who are they? Where do they live? What do they do with their free time? How do we, the restaurant, fit in with their life? And it was just like being a good friend. Being a, a medium acquaintance. Just saying, hey, I know you were really excited about the ski trip that you booked with your family. How was it? Nothing more than that, than actually having a conversation, getting to know something about the person, and just asking, you know, like a regular human being. And I think in general, we can all be better at that. I think for the most part, we're pretty bad at that. Pretty good at taking care of people and hitting our steps of service, giving them good food, making sure they got everything they need while they're here. And I think we can be more human 
and actually take better care of them. Now, they're, again, they're computer systems that can help us do that. They can automate some of those touch points. And then some of it you can't replace. You can't fake. You just have to actually do that. So when we talk about CRM, how we maintain a relationship and grow a relationship with our customers, I would challenge you to think of how you can do that even at a simple, basic analog level. In past episodes, I've uh, I've joked about how I challenge <laughs> I would challenge restaurant owners to keep a little moleskin notebook. I say I challenge you to touch every single table tonight and learn something about them, something that you might use when you text them next week or when you send them an email two weeks from now. Now we use the example of reaching out and saying, hey, I just wanted to make sure, please, um, you know, please wish your daughter a great first semester at Stanford. You guys must be so proud. I'm so glad you could come in to celebrate her getting in. And then later during as a Thanksgiving break approaches, you say, hey, it's been a while, but I, I know your daughter's, I assume your daughter's coming home for Thanksgiving, you know, for her first big break at Stanford. And um, if you guys were open to it, we'd love to take care of you. Your first round of drinks is on me as celebration for her getting into Stanford. That will cost you a couple of bucks and you'll get a four top or a six top in your restaurant. But that doesn't happen. You can't just reach out to somebody and say, hey, I'd love to buy your first round of drinks. Do you want to come in? It happens when you're a human. So again, sometimes I would do this where I challenge an owner or a manager or a maitre d' to touch every single table, not that hollow table touch of, hey, how's everyone enjoying things? Good, great, great, and you walk away. But you have to actually engage and have a real conversation and learn something about the guest. And you write that down in the notebook and you would use that thing later, right? Because we meet a lot of people every night, all week long. It's hard. That's why we write it down. You write down their name, their wife's name, their kids' names. And then something interesting. Just going on a ski vacation. Daughter just got into Stanford. Son just made the varsity football team. All of these are things you can use later. When we meet friends, when we make friends, we don't have to do that. But we don't, we don't meet a lot of new people. We don't make a lot of friends. And we're basically making, you know, 100 new friends every single night. So that's, that's an analog way we can do this and challenge yourself every single day to reach out via email or text every single day to five of your guests. Not ask them to come in, but just start a meaningful conversation with them. In time, you're going to teach your managers to do it, and they're going to get really good at it. And that's how they become surrogates for you. Because you doing it is not as important as everyone doing it. It doesn't matter who does it. You want people who are excited about doing it. I promise you it's going to make their job a whole lot more interesting than just having to worry about, you know, side work, checklists, bank drops, all of that. So that's how we do it. When you do that, when you have a meaningful conversation, it invites you to say things like, hey, have you guys been here before? No, you haven't? Well, what made you wander in tonight? Where else do you guys normally go? Do you live in the area? Are you guys just in visiting? And then you start understanding, well, how did you discover us? Where did you hear about us from? What made you come in tonight? You start understanding the first part of the customer journey. They're going to say, oh, our neighbors love this place. 
oh, you know, my husband works with some guy and he's always telling us to come here. Oh, cool. What's his name? Maybe I know him. Is he, is he here pretty frequently? You may draw more connections, again, by having meaningful conversations. I know what we do is hard. I know our lives and our nights are busy, but I promise you they're not that busy. And this thing, this thing will reap dividends. You will make so much more money by being engaged in your customers, by being engaged with your customers and in their lives. And again, I shared that statistic earlier, right? 70% of all first-time guests will never come back. 70%. So when we talk about butts and seats, butts and seats, you've already got butts and seats. You just have to do a better job of getting those butts to come back into your seats. The way you do that is by what I'm telling you to do. Touching each table, learning something about them, reaching out, being your own little CRM system. And the same thing at the end. Thanks so much. Have a great night. You're never going to say that again. Thanks so much. When are we going to see you again? Thanks so much. When are you coming back? I talked about this in the very last chapter of my book. That works better than just about anything else. Because human beings only think about two or three weeks in advance. So when you say, hey, thanks so much. When can we get you back in here? Let me put another reservation on the books. Some people are going to go, oh, you know what? My sister's coming in from out of town. Oh, you know what? My husband's entertaining some clients. You guys, you should entertain them here. They're going to love it here. They will start thinking of occasions to join you again in the next two to three weeks. So you get more revenue quicker. I'm telling you, those two things, get to know your people, start contacting them every single day, little by little, real meaningful touch, uh, reach outs, just like you do with some of your friends or your siblings maybe. And then the other thing, scrub that at the end of the meal. Thanks so much. Have a great night. Scrub it. Get rid of it. And replace it with the question you really want to ask, which is, when can we get you back here? You start doing that and then put pressure on your technology partners, go to trade shows and figure out who has a CRM system that can get your uh, table management software and your POS to talk together and can send really great automations and campaigns and emails and tag and segment your list so you can send more specific emails to more specific segments of your list. That's gonna change your business. And if you've never heard of Seven Rooms, Seven Rooms is a competitor to OpenTable or Resi or Talk, um, and I think what they do is extraordinary, and I think uh, their platform just keeps getting better and better. They do not pay me to say that. I've just I've gone through a lot of these things, and I think now most people discover restaurants on Google or via social media, so we don't need the marketplace like, like an OpenTable app. People are using Google as the marketplace. So if you don't need that marketplace, which I think most restaurants don't anymore, I think you can very easily switch to a platform like Seven Rooms that allows you to do so much more to re-engage your existing customers. So I, I challenge you to rethink how we take care of our people. And I hope you can acknowledge that we can do it better that we can do it better, it can actually help us to have a better business, to make more money. I know that's true because I've seen that proven out time and time and time again. So that's what I wanted to talk about. Again, this is the fifth installment of the Rethinking Restaurants arc. 
challenging you to think outside the box and to rethink your preconceived notions. Um, I hope you're enjoy enjoying these episodes. I hope they're. Um, I hope you're getting something out of it and just getting you to think differently about a whole bunch of different um, areas. As always, I'm going to finish by asking you uh, that if you get any sort of value from this show, please take a few minutes, go leave us a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts. That, more than anything else, moves the needle on this, my small business, uh, and helps us grow our community, which has already exploded, right? This show's been around for five years. It exploded this past year, and I want to keep doing that. I want to, I want to double the growth in 2024 just because I think, um, I think there's more power the more we're together. I love the conversations we get to have here and I appreciate you guys giving me the space to be able to share these with you, my thoughts, the things that um, the things that I'm coming across and thinking about. Um, as always, I appreciate you taking time out of your day to be here. I will see you next time.